This show is furnished by The Cochrane Firm. Saturday, folks. We are AM Talk Radio 780. You are listening to A Nation Divided, coming to you live from Culver City on this beautiful Saturday. I am Brian Thomas Dunn with my best friend in the free world, Mr. James Oates. How you feeling today, brother? And you are my best friend in the free world as well, Brian Dunn. Dunn. The famous Brian Dunn. We're making it happen. I'm feeling good, man. Hey, I got a word for the day. What's the word? Aniquis. 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 I'm probably not really pronouncing that exactly. It sounds right. like an evil character Latin, from Dungeons & Dragons. It's a Latin term, aniquis. <laughs> Aniquium. All right, what does it mean? Unfair. Ah. Unfair. To be unfair. It's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. That's a, that's a good segue, right, for you? Well, that we're, we're going to be talking about fairness Are you set today. up? We're going to be talking about things called the Fairness Doctrine. The Fairness Doctrine. Folks, have you ever wondered why when you turn on the TV and you leave any kind of regular programming to go to a news show? Basically like anything from the 1970s, like right. Emergency or what were some of the other great shows back in the 1970s? Well, the 80s were oh, like man. the A-Team, if you're watching the A-Team. I like Welcome Back Cotter. Welcome Back Cotter. <laughs> Mr. Cotter. Anyway. Basically, if you're watching anything but that on the air today. You're getting the news. You're getting the news. Or some variation thereof. Or it's editorial. Maybe it shouldn't even be called news. Maybe we should start seeing editorial. That's a very good point. Yes. Uh, because the idea is... Everything that we're hearing has some kind of agenda behind it. Basically like you and me. Exactly. <laughs> Basically like our show. We that like to say that we are agendaless, but we are. our agenda is the absence of the agenda. That's right. We are the counterculture. We want to we be the counterculture of the radio. We like to believe that we represent the silent majority, but pr- probably we represent the two of us and that's <laughs> yeah, it. That, that's pretty much our agenda, us two. Oh, yeah. well. So, folks, you've been so wonderful. We've had such a great run. We're wrapping up our third year, actually, to this day. We're wrapping up the time, third man. year uh, of doing the show, and uh, we've learned so much. But, got a lot uh, of shows in the can. We got a couple on the Fairness Doctrine in the can, actually. Absolutely, but we're going to hit it today in a way different, different this, mo- uh, method. Our modus our operandi opus. is going to be different. This could be the opus of our show, certainly the opus of Fairness Doctrine shows. And, it, you know, we've always wanted to try to hit on what are the invisible things that tear us up as Americans? What are the things that divide us? Where are the walls that have originated? How did, where do they come from? And it seems like whenever we're talking about any topic, whether it be race, uh, whether it be uh, issues involving immigration, whether it be issues involving gun control, whether it be issues involving uh, you name it, Anything, Jim, any issue, any discussion, and it's so polarized. About the fifth or sixth caller will correctly identify media. Absolutely. As having some role. Every single one, yeah. And yeah. it seems like it Every all goes show. back to that. Yeah. And. You know, people the are idea, aware. Yeah. They have a consciousness about it, I think. I think the people that's have a this sixth sense about it. They know that there's something that's driving them this way, but they're really not sure what it is. And then every once in a while, someone says, hey, I kind of feel like it might sort of be the media that we're consuming. Right. And the idea is the brain is going to 
basically react to whatever it is you throw at it. Whatever you put into that computer. It's going to spit out what you put in. Exactly. Right. And to the extent that you have the degree of discernment uh, necessary to understand that this is something you're being told, Ooh, that's uh, as opposed to something that is is going to warrant your immediate emotional reaction. Discernment. You may not be able to yes. realize that you're feeling angry because someone somewhere wants you to feel angry. Well, I mean, think about it. If you're watching some TV program and the guy looks like you and he sounds like you and he sounds like all of your friends and he's wearing the same kind of shirt they wear, and, of course, the whole drive of it is commercials, so all the commercials that come on are commercials for stuff you like and stuff you'd want, then, of course, you're going to naturally assume whatever the guy's saying must be right. Right. And that's the way a lot of folks think. And so in terms of what it is that Jim and I do, we run a law firm, mid-sized law firm, and we do a lot of cases that are and they're tough, civil rights cases. We handle a great deal of cases that involve the very controversial subject of police misconduct. These are labor-intensive, incredibly taxing cases in terms of one's time and one's mental energy. And sometimes they're, they're untasteful. I mean, really, the thing is, is a lot of the times what you're fighting for in court every day is not just this one individual, but it's the entire principle. It's the idea right. that we have to have the system a certain way or we're all at risk. Right. And I, as time has gone on, especially in the COVID times, uh, I, I was on TV a lot. I was doing a lot of work on court TV. I was doing a lot of work on MSNBC. And I was realizing that they would want me to talk about events that I didn't know about. And the reason why I didn't know about them is because whether I realized it or not, I had stopped watching the news. You really did. You did. At some now. point, yeah. I had just stopped watching it. Yeah. And it's not just because we're so busy, which we are. I mean, but it's just when you start thinking about the concept of something trying to, te- to take me off my center one way or another. It's uh, not something fun. trying to make me feel a certain way. I am now very sensitive to an outside force. Yeah. And if it's trying to make me feel something, I inherently see that as hostile. I don't think that it's even that people don't want to see bad news in terms of bad news. Like the Surfside thing was a great example. Right. When you heard about it. You were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. And you really wanted to know. You wanted to know what happened and how could this happen. But you had no idea it had occurred because you're just not watching anymore. And the reason you're not watching is because you're completely turned off. And I see you every day and I know you have something important. You're going to tell me (laughs) what happened. I'm watching it. It's basically it. You rely on other people. But folks, just imagine if you're sitting in your car. Imagine if you went a whole week just without watching any form of news at all. Now, maybe... uh, they're, they're, you can start by, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll start now. We'll turn off KS. Sure, turn yes. off Brian right now. Let's turn him <laughs> off. Turn Shut off. those guys down. <laughs> Get rid of this editorial. Well, this isn't the news. Matter of fact, stop talking. Give us some facts. <laughs> but the idea is th- there's a lot of money that is being made by these organizations. Oh, Just yeah. a tremendous amount of money. Oh, yeah. And uh, we are at, at, at KBC 790 and our show on KBC 790, we are the tiniest little sliver. We're the thinnest yes. sliver of this thing, man. It's massive. It's exactly. huge. The money is incredible. And it wasn't always like that. And, and folks, we're going to talk about kind of what happened in the anatomy of what happened to American television. Uh, there were laws that were in place for years and years that required you to report things in an unbiased way. You know, what's what's interesting, too, is I got to jump in on this and say it, it it wasn't even just that there were rules there. Yeah, okay, so you can write some laws and you can say you guys shouldn't do that. And then people will break the laws and then you got to take them to court and you got to put them in jail or whatever for breaking the laws. There was, a, I think, a deeper sense of duty to the right. public, duty to the citizenry to say 
these things are good for people and right. these other things aren't good. And and not good like, oh, I don't want you to use that drug because that's bad for you. Right. Or I don't want you to drink that soda pop. No, I'm talking about like the good of the nation state, right. the good of our populace. I think there was a consciousness that maybe we don't have as much of these days. Well, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, you know, the idea of government being bad and oversight being bad is something that we've kind of uh, we've kind of accepted <laughs> yeah. or we've kind of said, okay, right. I don't like big government. I don't like the government telling me what to do. But when you look at the origin of just say mass media and the radio waves, which we're going to talk about in a moment, uh, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, basically they said this is a sacred thing. We can talk to millions and millions of people at the same time. We therefore have a duty to tell people the truth if we are going to be talking about something that happened. And if we're going to be talking about an event that may be divisive, we have a duty to tell both sides of that thing. We have to tell both sides of the story. And that is really the way I grew up on the news. Uh, you didn't That's have the Walter Cronkite version. Walter of Cronkite's the news. Yeah. voice was was blaring through the the kitchen TV. Absolutely. At, at six p.m. every night, he and was considered think, the most trusted man in America. Walter Cronkite. I don't think you can make any rational argument that we were this perfect union and there was no division and there wasn't any disagreement at all in the days of Walter Cronkite. On the on the contrary, look the civil the civil rights era. Right? right. Look at Vietnam. There definitely was. These were very arrest. controversial things. Very controversial things, but it was different. And I think everyone that we've had, I, I you didn't say, have Hannity coming on, yes, talking every, about the Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement think, in the sixties, or that, the MSNBC people talking about what happened at Kent right. State and all think the other about, Think about all the people that we've had call into the show the last three years, and they're people that were maybe ten and twenty years older than we were because right. we were in the early right. seventy, right? So they will almost to a person say, yes, it's divided like it was back then, but it's different. It's different. It now, some different. say it's more, some say it's the same, but they'll all say it's different than it used to be. And folks, we're going to take a very short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about exactly the anatomy of how this happened. We've never really gone into it in detail. It down. We're going to break it down for you. There was a major thing that happened in 1987. There was a major thing that happened in 1996. Yep. And the world has never been the, the same. The entire planet. We're going to be back, folks. We love you so much. This is a very important show for a lot of reasons. Watch it on the Watchtower. We're going to be right back. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> there must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. Oh, yeah. We are AM Talk Radio 790. You are listening to A Nation Divided. Coming divided. to you live from Culver City no in doubt. our third year. We are a divided nation. Crazy, isn't it? But we're not that divided in the studio. We aren't most of the time. No, most of the time. Sometimes we end up beating each other up. <laughs> I think people, you know, we've had people call in before and say, you guys are just a sounding board off of one another. Uh, they need to come in here at the breaks. Right. Only if one of us is getting out of here alive. <laughs> if they were in here when the mics get turned off and the, and the commercials are playing, <laughs> man, we've had some tough ones in here. Yeah, them turns years. as red as that on light sometimes. <laughs> But either way, folks, you know, we've had such a great run, and uh, we, they, we try to come from a place of love because we feel that. And uh, the idea that always seems to be a common denominator uh, is that the, the media is so biased. And, and 
you know, we have put these labels on our souls. Uh, we don't think of ourselves as American. We think of ourselves as Absolutely. black or white. We think of ourselves as liberal or That's conservative. Are you, so, are you a libertarian? Yeah. Are you conservative? Maybe we even assume Are you liberal? Are you you're, whatever? Everybody's just automatically American, but you're a liberal or you're a conservative or whatever. No, I mean, if people miss the point. We're, we're dropping this whole thing. Right. It can't be assumed. This thing is right. so fragile that we have. Every right. day we wake up, we got to believe it. There you we're go. Americans. And why can't we just be? Uh, why do we have to fall into a category? Why can't we all just get along? And why? Because the reason why is because we are programmed to believe we must hate the yes. other. Yeah, that's why we can't get along. And if you don't hate, then that means that you must not be with us, or you must not know what's going so on. Now we're kicking you out. Yeah, exactly. or, or, yeah, you don't know what's going on. You haven't been listening. You haven't been reading. And you have to think this, this, and this, and if the slightest deviation. But the idea is, we're so much better than that as Americans. We are so much more complex than that as, as Americans. human beings. Exactly. Everybody's got their own value. I think that we talked about this earlier. You know, we were talking to one of our friends on the on the on the telephone before the show, and he's a poli sci professor. But he has these things that he says that to every class that he says that this is the uh, this is what makes us Americans. These are right. this is the American creed, and I won't go through them all. But a couple of them are liberty, equality, and then the idea that you've got majority rule, but you have protections. For minorities and individual rights, and that's really the key, right? Well, we my, the, my favorite thing that he says is the Constitution. Oh, I mean, of course, we're driven by the Constitution. But the Constitution, constitutional, constitutional democracy. But what does that support? In essence, it supports the idea that each one of us individually have value. Right. We have our own thoughts. We have our own destiny, and we, as Americans, I think everybody values that, right? And folks, that is what separates America from every single Absolutely. other country on the planet. Any other system is that's we ever existed. We're crazy enough to say the individual individual should have a lot of power. Yes. We're crazy enough to say this is a situation where maybe the government doesn't know it all all the right. time. We forget about all this king we're stuff. We're going to try to make it work. We're going to make a government and we're going to try to make this thing work for everybody. Right. But at its heart, it's going to come back to you as an individual. And we give the individual the ability to think freely. And we give the individual the ability to make decisions. And we give the individual right. the ability to choose his profession. And isn't and that a shame? That we do all of that. We've done so much work. So much blood and treasure has been laid down for that very oof, thing you just oof, said. Yes. And people just, it's almost like they let it go. Well, well, do we really think about the idea of a news agency or something that we're watching on the news as taking away our freedom? Because the person watching that will say, I'm exercising my freedom yeah, to watch this. That's right. But yeah. what is what is happening through the back door is you are creating a situation where you have set up all of these walls that have eliminated your ability to hear another perspective or to feel the uh, pain of an American that may be different than you, than you or may have a different political philosophy than you or may be in a situation where they're suffering from a reality that you're not suffering from. If you from. had a room full of people wearing green shirts and one guy had a red shirt on and you sat someone down in a chair and you held a big board up in front of him and put a tiny little hole and you said, just look through that hole at that one guy. And all they saw all day long was the one guy wearing a red shirt. And you said, what color shirts are the people in this room wearing? They'd say, well, it's red, obviously. Right? The right. whole point that's is, all is they that see. that's all they see. It's not there. It's not it's not our fault that that's all you get to see, but if that's all you see every day over and over and over again, you're going to believe that's reality. Right. And that's just na that's human nature. That's not anyone being flawed. 
So, folks, in a very short period of time, in about three minutes, we're going to give you a history of the Federal Communications Commission as it has related to mass In airwaves. three minutes? It started with the radio. Or five minutes? When are we going to do it? Let's do it quickly. Let's do, do it right it? now. Let's do, do it right do, now. You want to hit it right now? Yeah. When you the sure FCC, t- t- radio was something new. Okay, radio kind of evolved, the first, uh, and it was a new thing. The first radio news broadcast was only in 1920, okay. and it was in Detroit, Michigan. I mean, the very first time an actual news broadcast over right. any airwaves was made, it was in 1920. And the, the unique thing about that is communication had always been by print, uh, where you can, yes. get, you can get a local group of people together. Or telegraph. Yeah. You know, Exactly. But you're talking to several uh, million, All conceivably million people. All at once. At the same time. Yes. And how many people uh, had these broadcasting stations? Not many. Very few. Very few. And, and matter of fact, another thing that we were talking about was when they were first building radio stations, a lot of people don't know this, they had to do it only on the coasts. Yes. Because they didn't know quite yet how to build oh, yeah, ground right. planes. It's a whole radio concept thing. But <laughs> yeah, they had to actually like put stuff in the salt water to try to get enough of an antenna to work to send radio frequency stuff out. So it seems as though... The the folks that did that had a sense of responsibility that we may not have now. And they were basically like, this is something that is potentially very powerful. And we don't want it to divide us as a nation. They had a consciousness that so, talk, this kind of thing could be bad for the populace if it's used incorrectly. There you go. Talk about Mayflower. Talk about fairness, Jim. So the fairness doctrine is the thing that it really boils down to. So the FCC, and it was in 1949 when they finally codified the doctrine, Mm -hmm. there had been a series of rulings within the FCC, and it goes back to the way the FCC was structured. But, of course, the whole idea behind the FCC was to say – there's only so much of this airwave around. You only have so much space. So only so many radio stations will be allowed to exist because if everyone tried to build a radio station, no one would hear anything. It would all be noise. So we're going to regulate it. We're going to assign licenses to radio stations. And, of course, TV is just another form of radio. It's just radio stations, right? Right. So in 1949, they kind of codified this idea. It kind of came up because of a a scenario where there was, I think, a mayor. I think it was someone running for mayor in New York or was mayor in Boston. And two competing radio stations were trying to say each side of the argument in in support of and against this guy that was running for mayor. And the FCC came in and said, you know what? We can't have this anymore. We need to make a rule. And the rule said simply this. If you own a radio station, great. We'll give you your license. There's some rules you got to follow about the kind of things that you can say on the air. You can't use any profanity. You can't say anything that's a lie, right? Mm -hmm. But then they also said, but on political issues specifically, if you have someone who's conservative and they talk for 20 minutes, you need to give exactly 20 minutes of fair time to the liberal perspective. And that was enforced. Or one politician versus another, and that was called the fairness doctrine. And the idea is we are the gatekeepers of this particular medium. We are. We have a duty to the public. A, a democratic society should provide an opportunity for everybody to express diverse viewpoints yes. on controversial issues. That's what they were saying. And this is something that we're going to take seriously. Uh, this is something that we're going to take so seriously that we're going to make it a rule. I mean, the whole idea behind this is that so you, you have to have the FCC, you have to have some commission doing this. If you go back to this essential principle of why is federal government there in the first place to regulate interstate commerce, right? right. It's to keep this darn thing running, keep the machine going. If you don't have some sort of regulation, if you don't have some commission managing all that stuff in some way, it all comes off the rails. There you go. It completely does because it would be complete chaos. Right. So being born in the late 60s, I was raised in the 70s. 
And my earliest memories of television news were, number one, that it was boring. Yeah. Uh, And number two... Something you didn't want to watch. That it was, even though it was boring, you kind of trusted whatever was going to be said on it. Yeah. And you had these guys... uh, I always go back to Walter Cronkite. Who are some of the other ones? Tom uh, Brokaw was Tom one Brokaw. in the day, yeah. Uh, the but D- even before that, Dan Rather was Dan a Dan Rather one. was a big yeah. one, yeah. Yep. But, you know, these are guys that basically, they had the uh, aura of someone that you could trust. Uh, they didn't talk in an angry, bombastic manner. They didn't point their finger and accuse people of they of really, nefarious they activities. Really didn't editorialize. They were measured and in the way did, that they spoke. They did not editorialize. And then when they did, like in those rare circumstances, it's escaping me now when Walter Cronkite made his this comments. This reporter about, says, you know, yeah, thinks this. This reporter, uh, uh, reporter like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like people were like, oh my wow, gosh, he wow. actually said an opinion. But they distanced themselves. They made it very clear that they were saying something that this is only my opinion. Yes, exactly. And you just don't have yes, that now. They did that. This You're reporter exactly believes right. that. This reporter, They would yeah. make it very clear that, okay, now I've stopped. Stop telling. Uh, Edward Armora. Edward Armora. Yes. So you know that obviously is not what we're getting now, folks. Uh, And the idea is that has changed. Oh, we haven't hit it. We haven't hit what changed. Well, we really haven't talked about that yet. We have had the fairness doctrine forever and ever and ever, but we don't have it anymore. And there was a specific point in time when it went away. And it's interesting the series of events that occurred afterwards. Well, I think we're going to talk about that, and I think we should probably just tell everyone uh, this all kind of seemed to go by the wayside in the waning years of the Reagan administration. Yes, it, there was something yes, that was right. done in 1987. Yes, uh, and well, it was internal to the FCC. But again, that goes back to a lot of the other shows we've done to try to educate people on how does this system really work? How does the government work? Well, it, most of the power lies in the executive branch. So. Reagan had people that he appointed and had, of course, they had some agenda. And one of the things that they wanted to do inside the FCC was to say, let's get rid of this idea of fairness doctrine. Because at the time they were arguing, this is bad for competition right. and it's not the place of government to what were, uh, what was Reagan's famous saying? You know, Don't, the, the, the government should not the, tell the, me how to do yeah, exactly. things, how to live he my said, life the and the how to do these things. The three scariest words or the f- whatever, five yeah. scariest, whatever it was, I'm the government, I'm here to help. So right. the whole idea was to say government's bad all the time, always. So among other things, let's take government out of radio and TV broadcast. And so it was 1987 when the FCC rolled that back and said, we're not going to enforce the fairness doctrine anymore. They didn't necessarily make a new rule. They didn't make a new rule. They just said this was like weed before the buying weed. We're just not going to enforce the existing rules, which basically does change the law. It took 10 years for it to to come about. And I think it started like it was in 1996, the Telecommunications Act of 1996 kind of really started the codification of getting rid of fairness doctrine. I think it was like 2011 when it finally went away. But here's the point. They said we're not going to reinforce it anymore. 1986, that occurs, and that very uh, that very next year, very next year, Rush Limbaugh goes on the air. 87 to 88, I think the it was. The very first political, Folks. one-sided only <laughs> We're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to be taking your calls. You can reach us at 1-800-222-KBC. 1-800-222-5222. Is the weaponization of news a good thing or a bad thing? We have historically believe that government is bad. Yes, that's what we believed in. Well, not historically. In the last 30, 40 years, maybe? Well, sometimes we might have to rethink that, folks. We're going to be right back. Some of it. Some of it. It's going to be pretty crazy. The floodgates were opened, and we all know what happened next. We'll be right back. And this is not our fate. 
I'm Brian Thomas Dunn with my best friend in the world, Mr. James Oates. Yes, you are, Brian Thomas Dunn. We are bringing you the show that has been titled A Nation Divided for three whole years now, hitting our anniversary date, dealing with one of the most seminal issues as to why our nation is divided. It's because we eat division. We consume division. We ingest and metabolize division through the airwaves. And... It wasn't always like that. We're really going to pinpoint exactly when it happened. So basically, we had this concept called the Fairness Doctrine. And the Fairness Doctrine mandated... By the FCC, it was the federal government that did this. Through uh, the extensive power of the executive branch, during the latter part of the Reagan administration, 1987 to be exact, uh, they just kind of stopped enforcing that. Just stopped. They melted it down. They basically took a policy that said we're not going to do this ever again. And it was just a matter of time before it got written into law. And in, that happened in 1996. So as of 1996, it was no more fairness doctrine. I think it was actually – it took 2011 before they really got it. You know how it takes so long to get some right. of the federal regulations changed. But, yeah, I mean it was a wind down. But in 1987, they stopped cold turkey. And what the implication was is that you could now create a show, a radio program, a TV program if you wanted. You could make an entire cable right. uh, network. But an interesting thing, folks, we didn't get to vote on that as a country. No. There was a very interesting thing as to how no. that went down. Right. It kind of went down behind closed doors. And I guarantee you there were about six or seven people that's really that made that decision. Yeah, that's the key. <laughs> You've got to wonder. You know, think about it for a minute. Uh, if you look back on it, what we know now is this. It's very. It's a very simple calculus. If you've got a TV station or a radio station that can prove to a given advertiser that you can guarantee some segment, some demographic, some group of people, you can go to them and say, I guarantee that this kind of person, the kind of person that will only buy this type of uh, Jeep right. or this kind of person that will only buy this sort of shirt, right. if I guarantee you that that's the only kind of person that will be listening for this hour and it's going to be a million of them. Oh, that advertiser is going to pay. They're going to pay a premium to get that ad time. Ingenious. It's genius. And, and the, there were guys the reality back then is, it works so well. Oh, it, it and does. It, and it is yeah. amazingly effective if you if you're looking at it. But but let's talk a little bit more. I'm going to go back to what was your first experience, Jim? Oh man, I with, remember it like yesterday. Uh, well, t- you do really? Yeah, I really do. So, it snuck up on me, but go ahead. Yeah, so tell us. I, and I, 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 I'm, I was, I misquoted a little bit earlier, so I got to really clarify this. They, the talk started in 1986. It was 1987 when the FCC made the internal ruling that said fairness doctrine goes away, and it was 1988 when Rush Limbaugh went on the air. And I'll never forget. It was the summertime of that year, 1988. It was the first year that I was working for my father. I'm working in the middle of the summers, and I. And every day I would turn on the radio to this guy, Rush Limbaugh, because everyone was saying, oh, this guy's so much fun. He's so cool. He's saying stuff I've never heard. It's amazing. you got to listen. Mm-hmm. And I listened to him. I listened to the guy all summer long. And then... For, you listened to him for two, months? Two months at least. And then I... I listened to him for about 20 seconds. Right. But anyway, go ahead. And- but he was interesting, you know? And he was kind of... <laughs> look, I mean, when you know, you're a young guy and you're wanting to hear someone yell at people and tell them what you think and a guy that talks like me and yeah. screw you and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and talking about feminazis and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, 
like, oh, yeah, go on, go on. It's almost like you're at a football game, right? You're listening to this. Yeah. And yeah, you're no, talking yeah, about it before. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, like a, you're, it's like a celebration at a, at a, at a rock concert or something. Yeah. But then he said something, and I'll never forget it. And the moment he said it, I just went over and I turned the radio off and I never listened to the guy again. It was oh, that my dramatic. goodness. Well, you got to tell us what he said. <laughs> he said and this is the, it's the most moronic thing I ever heard. He said, well, everybody knows that the idea that the sea level will rise because of global warming is a complete lie. And it's a sham because you've watched the ice cubes melt in your cup of water in front oh, of you. Don't. And the water level goes down oh, and not up. That hurts. And I thought. Really, man? Huh? Are you Did that he just say stupid? that? Did he just say that? By that logic, nuclear aircraft carriers would sink. Oh, any <laughs> boat would sink. Battleships would sink. Like, <laughs> yeah, cruise ships from China would sink. Yeah, ba- floating docks wouldn't exist anymore. Yeah. It completely ignores the the science and the the reality, the nature of displacement, like the concept yes. of displacement. I mean, it's like what a moron. Well, so he, he appealed to the 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 bad science in right. him is what caused you to turn it's it off. It's the air in the ice cube that makes it melt. What caused <laughs> me to not stay with crazy. him for longer than half a minute? It's stupid man. Was because I realized that what he was saying was something that was not at all going to be something that I would want to be on board to. with back in those days. Okay, now see, I listened, kind of sounded sort of like a guy like me, kind of looked like that, and I thought, okay, well, I can listen to this guy. You listen, and instantly it turns you off, but what's yeah, going to happen? I liked Howard Stern, but that was but not, it was not go, as political. No, not as political, but what's going to happen? Let's say that someone that sounds the way you want him to sound, right. that's talking with the kind of language you want him to use, and then he starts easing in on whatever agenda he's got. You're going to... It's going to be hook, it line, could and be it could yeah. be but Rush Limbaugh being one of the uh, earliest pioneers of that he had an in- incredibly successful program. Oh my god, so it, successful! It was so he successful started. that they had to yeah. redefine the concepts of radio yes. contract. He had the contract the biggest. He had yeah. a following that was so Huge. gigantic, Huge. and every time any they exposed a different market to him, he dominated. And he continued to dominate for decades. What about yours? What was your, for the first time you kind of realized that there was some sort of like, uh, call it polarization? I was a little out of touch, man. And I I actually, uh, I had never really understood Fox News. But I was asked to be on the Bill O'Reilly Factor. The you O'Reilly were Factor on the show. I was on the show. It was like nineteen eighty-seven. When I was, or a, yeah, right? I was a terrible lawyer. Then it was yeah. like it, it, no, it was it was two thousand five. Two thousand five. Yeah, it, it was about the Devin part. Brown shooting. Two thousand five. Two thousand. I was like right, a ten, yeah. eleven year lawyer, which in the in my eyes is still kind of a journeyman lawyer. Baby. Uh, yeah, you're you're still kind of a a youngster at age ten or eleven years, but. But I didn't really understand what I was getting into uh, when I, it, it was 2005, I know. It had to be because, and I was asking my sister, and she said, you're going on what? I said, some O'Reilly, Factor, some, Factor, some, O'Reilly, Some something. guy named Riley, Bill, yeah. Bill And she said, you, 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 you be careful. Yeah. He calls people stupid. He does this. Yeah. Right. It's right. a right-wing thing. I said, well, you know, I'm already booked. I'm going to go on. But I just kind of waded into it. And sure enough, he, he put some pretty serious ambushes on me. The kid was out at four in the morning, and he's 13. Number two, she's got two felony charges against her. The kid yeah. was out at four in the morning in a stolen car. He was truant. He didn't go to school. And the mother's got two felony like charges against her. People. You want to put her through that? Well, this And there he is, a young Brian Dunn. Mm. First time on TV. Oh my That's been a long time ago, man. That's been a long time ago. It was a long time. I was representing the mother of a child a who lost his life. Then. Uh, he was a 13-year-old boy who, him and his friends were joyriding in a car. Uh, they 
were 13. He, he was so so small, he could barely see under right. over the dashboard. Yeah. And as you could imagine, he had kind of, you know, tenuous command of the vehicle. LAPD caught up to him on the um, 110 freeway. He got off the freeway and ended up getting into a situation where he ran the car up an embankment and then and he, he was stuck and then he put it in reverse. And when he went in reverse, even though the officers were out of the car and out of harm's way, it went back suddenly and they fired into the well, one officer fired into the car and killed him. Killed him, yeah. And it, it was he was thirteen and, and it was a controversial uh, but but going on Bill O'Reilly was was interesting because they have you waiting in the green room, and it, this is uh, a type of news that I wasn't ready right. for. You, you were not ready for this. And one. I held my yeah. own with him, but the idea is I would see him uh, before they were going to run a segment, and he would say, this is un-American. Yeah, right. Blah, 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 this is absolutely this. terrible. Me this, yeah. this is false. And they were like, okay, right. hold on, hold on, Bill. Uh, we we got to... And they would do the some technical right. thing. Yeah, the, you know, you, let's uh, change that again. All right, all right, and three, two, and one. Right, 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 this right, is un-American. Right back on this it. is yeah. terrible. This is the worst. And I was thinking, wow, this is an act. This guy is really just saying this thing. And I, he's saying these really, infl- but he's saying them on cue. I'll tell you what I remember about that incident. Of course, I wasn't there when you were actually on the air. But I can remember you telling me about this like 10, 15 years ago. I can remember you telling me that... He was actually kind of sympathetic to the whole. He said, oh, man. like, he was the nicest guy in the world. Know what happens to that mother? You right. know, I'm really interested. He was genuinely heartfelt. But if you listen to him on that segment, right. you think, oh, he thinks that he just can't. He hates these people. He wants them gone. He wants them eliminated. He wants them out of here. Well, yeah. Totally and, not what he said to you at all off the air. But the idea is it was a program, and I had a show that was something that they kind of can tee off on this show yeah. because yeah. I represent the mother of a guy who. Broke the law, got killed by the yeah, police. Yeah, got killed by the police, and then it's a civil lawsuit, so it's money, it, and yep, absolutely. And yeah. it was four in the morning. A lot of people and he, are it, not like He didn't that. realize it's a single mom. She's working graveyard shift to yeah, try to make ends meet. Exactly. But yeah, they, they wanted say, to vilify her. Why didn't she stop him and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah but it was all just he was pandering to a certain uh, way of thinking, a certain base. And when he kind of came at me really hard, I was ready for it, but after it was over... What really shook me was how kind he was to me. Absolutely. And how I'm incredibly sure. just gentle his voice was and how he lowered his voice and wanted to shake my hand. And how he was basically saying, I hope you really take care of this woman. Well, if you think and about it. And he seemed to really believe that. I'm sure he did. If you think about it, he's a professional. You know, I've heard you say so often... You're, you're going into court and you've got this defense counsel with the maybe the city of Los Angeles right. and you guys are trying to kill, eviscerate each other. You walk out, you shake hands, you maybe even go across the street, have a drink, you talk. With you, some of them. Yeah, with some, yeah not all of them. <laughs> but, but the point is, is that when you're a professional, and I'm yeah. sure Bill O'Reilly, he's a professional. And so he can turn it on and off. But I right. think the problem comes in when the average citizen who has right. no idea that this is production, right. has no idea that this is somewhat entertainment and invention, right. they watch it. They think that this is real. This is what this guy thinks every right. day. Right. And I, w- I was the main course because I represented like kind of something that was to be. But, you know, they asked me to go back on that show so many times oh, that sure I was too scared that. to go back on after that. Yeah. I, I didn't want to go back. They, they called me like every week for like sure. six weeks after. Yeah. But the, the concept is this was a show that was considered. It was on a, the network, the fledgling network at the time, Fox News. And it was their big hit show. But it was a show. Yes. And it has turned into uh, 
something that is now replicated on other sides. You have a, the oh. MSNBC shows on the other side. That it almost drove a wedge. I think we were talking about earlier trying to decide for ourselves. Actually, if anyone calling in would tell us what their opinion is on this. I remember CNN starting, I think it was like, it was in the early 80s when CNN started. Hey. Yeah, maybe it was 88, but I can remember thinking... CNN used to be neutral. Yeah, totally neutral. I can remember, and a matter of fact, another thing about it was, oh, it was actually news. It, it was wasn't news. editorial. They actually went places and brought cameras and showed you news. I feel like so often they don't do that anymore. Right, folks, we're going to take a short break right now and talk about the news behind the news and what we really are accepting as it news. Is the news behind the news. Interesting. If you want to talk about your experiences with understanding... Sometimes that news has an agenda. We'd be more than happy Don't to hear. Don't believe you. anyone else's editorial. But believe idea, ours. Is it right or wrong? Should we go back to a situation <laughs> right. where we it is required uh, to be fair? Pretty interesting, folks. You can reach us at one eight hundred two 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 KBC one eight hundred two 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 five two two two. We're going to hear your opinions. We want to hear them all. We'll be right back, and we love ya. <laughs> Welcome back, folks. We are AM Talk Radio 790, where it all started. You're listening to A Nation Divided, coming to you after our third birthday. Third birthday today. Yep, I'm that's Brian right. Dunn. That's just a James Oates. Yes. Some people call him James Universe. James Universe. Terry, right. I want to thank you that. for calling. Uh, we're talking about the weaponization of news and news media and how it has become so slanted and so biased. Is it a good thing? Terry, thank you so much for calling A Nation Divided. Hello, Terry. We are dying. Hi there. Hey, how are you? Uh, all, all of that speech as an intro, I, I, I'm I, a little flustered. I'm sorry. Oh, well, you fine. sound great, Terry. You, you sound know, great. actually do sound great, yeah. When I'm looking at the Fairness Doctrine, uh, I, re, I remember talk radio during the Fairness Doctrine. Wow. Um, this, this station it st- itself started talk radio in Los Angeles in yes, 1960, that's right. That's right. and I started listening to talk radio shortly after, no, I guess it must have been the beginning of 64, mm-hmm. shortly after my parents gave me my own radio. All right. Awesome, that's cool. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't fiddle around with the family radios. <laughs> um, yeah, right. <laughs> Stop changing the channel. The, no one ever said don't change the channel, but I just didn't do it. <laughs> if you were like me, you take apart the screws in the back of the radio and you pull all the pieces out and then you can never get them back together and it never oh, works again. Oh, no, I find some guys uh, nearby who will do that. What? Just as if I go fishing, I, I find some guys who will do, manage the business. Tell end. us about uh, talk radio, Terry, before back the, then. Before. Yeah. Tell us. Um, what I noticed with the Fairness Doctrine uh, is that when an editorial was given on the station, um, there was always a notice of um, oh, yes. persons of opposing viewpoints yes. should contact right. the station. Wow. Yes. yes. I even remember that. Yeah, yeah, Nothing yeah. was said about, you know, we will air opposing points of view, even though they would. Yeah. Um, news was never objective. Mm. I have... You know, I have for years been a listener to um, a, a network which shall go unmentioned but is supported by uh, public money. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that they all claim to be objective. Sure. No news is objective. Very good. Well, that's a good point. Within there. reason. But then, Terry, like, don't you have to at least admit, so here's what would have happened, and this is what the Fairness Doctrine would have said. If someone had called in with an opposing viewpoint mm-hmm. and they wanted airtime, in theory at least, they were supposed to be provided that airtime. And don't you think even yes. just this concept maybe was a little bit of a check and balance? I mean, that's one of the – what's one of the principles of being American in our American system? The American creed is checks, checks and balances. balances. I do. It's one reason why I'm sorry to see the fairness doctrine have gone. Right. Um, but – News itself is not objective. We we color it as soon as we make editorial decisions. Right. That's fine. I don't mind that. Um, it's been done in broadcasts ever since before America entered World War II. That's okay. Just don't tell me you're completely objective. Well, Terry, you're bringing up a great point because I don't want to sell rose-colored glasses to sure. anyone. And, and the idea is you, you might be a generation before me. I'm 50, 53 in a couple of months. so I'm 68. So you're, one, you're like one generation before me. And yeah. when you look at the, the idea, we are saying that a really interesting thing that I might not be able to say because of the news I grew up. You're saying it never really was really objective. It, it never really was. That is really important for me to hear. And the only time that it started to matter is when surveys were done that established that, you know, you could actually have TV ratings for uh, news. This was in the mid-60s. Yes, ratings. And then everybody yeah. started going after the almighty dollar. Wow. Now, see, that's, and she's hitting then on something advertising on, on news became of interest to the network. You know, it's funny. We've talked about this before in previous shows when it comes down to the issue of voting, and we've kind of gotten into voting rights in this a little bit, but just the political back and forth and the tribalism. Right. When we started quantifying the vote, when we started having, I think we said it happened in the 80s on TV, right? Mm-hmm. The first time you had the scorecard. It's the score for and the presidential who's, yeah, election. And who's winning and who's and what states are winning and how do we manipulate the numbers and win this game, even with the minority of votes and all kinds of craziness, you know? That quantification that she's talking about, this idea of we're going to chase the rating. we're gonna And the idea of the scorecard yeah. is like, was NBC ahead or CBS, CBS or ABC exactly. with the news? Yeah, which who's, in, who's ahead on their news, yeah. Well, this is not new either. We have the scorecard going back to gerrymandering in the 19th century. Good point. Good point. It's just that most people didn't take notice of it until the exit polls and... Then the the prognostications about but it wasn't how an upcoming like... election is going to come out, and then in '96, the important thing that happened was that the number of stations that one company could have yes was almost unlimited. Oh, Sinclair Before Media then, Group, yeah, Rupert Murdoch. We've done that Sinclair exactly. Media Group show. Yep, absolutely awesome. Yep. Before and... then, it had been five owner-operated stations. Anything else you did beyond that? was syndicated. It was, was the responsibility of the syndicator, right. and so your your power was shared that way. Now, I also need to say that cable and satellite do not operate by the same fairness rules. Terry, let me ask you one but, question, because yes, I'm hearing everything that you're saying. But now just go back to the time again when you're just talking about the, your generation of news, right? Don't yes, you sir. think that maybe there was some sort of like intangible notion that people had, maybe the people that were in power, maybe it was the people at the FCC or at the stations themselves, where they were at least trying to think, but don't you think they were attempting to think about the public good, the, the good, the oh, general good in a way that I, they don't today? I, yes, I do. 
and I think that started to change in the 70s with Watergate. Uh, Watergate. <laughs> because then uh, major news. journalists yeah. no longer right. saw themselves right. as um, suppliers of information. Right. They now became yes. an advocacy but force. How do you think it got to be just the just the absolute gloves off, high octane, absolute, just high adrenaline attack news that we have now. Terry, I'm going to ask you that in just a moment. I want to put you on hold for one second. Don't go anywhere, please. You obviously know this. Don't go anywhere. I wanted to get to Steve because you've been holding for a minute. Yeah, he's got a Fox News comment. We've been hearing from Terry. Terry brought up a lot of really good points. What do you have to say on the topic, brother? Well, she's, she's absolutely correct. On most of it, uh, the the original um, FCC requirements were you could only as as a any entity own seven stations, seven TVs, yes, seven, right. seven FMs, and also there was a regional TVs. issue too, correct? So in other words, we had you had to have like in one particular region you could not uh, have a second station of that type, like could right? Have two and TV. What, you were only limited to what your TV yeah, could get. I right. remember the remote control would be like, boom, flah, blah, blah, blah. it would cause TV the channel to radio, actually move. You do more than it that. would yeah. cause the, there were only 12 channels. Yeah. Boom, right. boom, boom, boom. Anyway, go, go ahead, Steve. Yeah. And, and, and really what changed everything was Ted Turner with CNN. And then we had the Australian import who really didn't buy into domestic television. 1996. 1996 was the year that station was created. It just so happened to correspond with the Telecommunications Act of 1996. No relationship at all to when that was passed through Congress at all. Please continue. Go ahead, Steve. And cable has never been regulated to any significant degree in any reason. And one of the reasons that that Fox did so well and uh, Ailes, who is really a monster, as you have seen in the movies, but he was smart enough to know We'll get people to watch because we're going to give a free and TV And I believe everything set. I watch in the movies. Right. A free TV set. Flat, Go ahead. In flat panels yeah. to virtually every airport in the country. Right. And because Ooh, that's a guy. I didn't know that. I didn't know that, Steve. Yeah. Where did, that's interesting. Now, not, not, I don't mean to challenge you on it, but genuinely, where did you pick that up? Like, I'd, like, I'd actually like to read about that. Uh, you can look in pretty much any broadcast history book, and it'll talk about that. And they actually provide what Terry said is what Steve said too is that we have a different medium. The broadcast is becoming more diverse because it's no longer just the airwaves. Now you have this thing called cable. And when you have when you have a cable right. Um, Steve, are you familiar? I'm going to get back to Terry on this question too. But what was it about the mechanism of cable news? Uh, We have about a minute left. But what was it about the mechanism of of cable as opposed to just regular broadcast from the radio? Is it that you paid money for uh, well, What was it, Steve? Well, first of all, you've got a very select audience. And when you get back to Limbaugh and these other things, you got to remember that the FCC put in a huge number of stations with an 89 decision. So now instead of having 20 major stations in the Los Angeles area, you had 60. Wow. So now everybody had to have a little piece. Right. And so oh, yeah. if you couldn't make any money, what did you do? You turned on your satellite receiver and you broadcast Rush, who was free in most places. All right. Sorry, Steve. I got to put a bow on yep. it right now. Yeah, but we we're going to be right back after the break. It'll be a long break. Uh, Terry, I want you to stay with us. This is a very yeah, good topic. Go we're going to be right back, folks. We're talking about news and how it changed. 
it kind of changed from becoming something that oh, was did. a sounding board to a weapon in many ways. It yep. became something that was a purveyor of political uh, agendas. Is this good or is this bad? We're going to be back in about five minutes, four or five minutes. How are we even going to fix with Terry. it, B? How are we going to fix it? And what should we do, should we about, do it? about it? We love you nope. guys so much. I'm Brian Dunn with James Oates. We're going to talk to you real soon. We'll be back. Bye-bye. This show is furnished by The Cochran Firm. Welcome back, folks. Coming in back at the top of the hour with our theme song, little Steely Dan. Don't take me alive. A lot of people don't even know that. I bet they probably don't have to talk. We don't play the entire song on the show, so they probably don't know that Steely Dan. Well, you know, a bunch of people have sent us emails over the years asking what the song was. Uh, it was just something that I always thought was pathologically groovy. Don't take me alive. I love that song. So, folks, as we come back, uh, we're talking about in our second segment, uh, the idea of the media, how the media infiltrates our psyche, how it gets into the way that we think and feel, but most importantly, how it has the uh, sometimes insidious effect of making us not like each other, uh, making us feel a certain way towards uh, those who are those, not like us. Those over there. Other. The they other. aren't us. We are, we, are, we are good. They are bad. And we've seen kind of a gradual evolution uh, over the years uh, of media being, in terms of the of the news and the way that it's reported, there was this concept called the fairness doctrine that existed. It said you must be fair or at least try to be fair or at least give the appearance of being fair. Gotta try. Uh, and Gotta even give it though shot. it wasn't perfect. And if you weren't, you could get shot down, right? So the idea was, look, every, you make rules, people are going to break them. But you don't just say, well, because people are going to break the rules, let's just take away the rules. You right. don't do that. You make the rules. You have a commission. You've got some oversight. And if someone's really egregious, yeah, you knock them down, and then they're the scapegoat or they're the example. Since the abrogation of this fairness doctrine, uh, we have seen a complete politicization of news on both sides. Uh, we want to get back to Terry. Uh, Terry, you've been so wonderful. Thank you for calling into the show um, we've gone from, uh, in our, uh, the history that we're talking about, which goes from about the early 20s uh, to, to now, about 100 years or so. Now we have a situation where there is no uh, pretense about political parties being affiliated with network news stations. What do you Absolutely think about that? Absolutely none. <laughs> what do you think about that? It's even worse than that because now with, with the widespread um, use of the internet uh, and internet sites are not managed as utilities say like the telephone company or right, your right. electric service since they're not managed that way they're not under that um, Congress wants to do something about rule number 230 but tell our listeners what it is I would love to be able to explain more about it but it, it does Hold, if if Congress does what they want to do by changing Rule 230, um, websites would be held more responsible for the content they publish. And they say that they cannot do this because they can't keep up with the amount of material on their servers 
and because that would would slow down the interchange of ideas. So basically what we have is we have all of these reasons why uh, we can't make things the way that they were before. But yeah, the toothpaste is out of the bottle. Toothpaste is out of the bottle. But folks, basically this is a deeper concept. See, the, the world that children are being raised in now has really been uh, infiltrated by screaming pundits who pass themselves off as bringing the news to people. And you have a situation where it is literally almost a business. And I mean, I mean a business that stock and trade is making people angry. They're selling anger. Uh, if you look at a lot of what we're hearing, when you have someone who is saying something that is potentially inflammatory, talking about immigration, talking about crime, they're saying it in a way that it seems to be calculated to induce but now, anger. But now let's take the counterpoint to this. So I'm thinking about what she's just talking about. And what she was talking about was Section 230. And so that's of the FCC rules. But basically what it says is it's a, it's an, it's a computer geek thing. It's a computer geek thing that basically gives you immunity as a provider of the service for any of the junk that's said over the service you're providing or the website you created. Right. So it's kind of like saying, well, I can't speak for the people who are putting stuff up there. I'm just the guy who built the website. But but I go back to, say, John Adams. He's a great example. Man, John Adams was writing stuff. He was telling people, go to war. He was telling people, pick up your gun and go shoot somebody. He was. I mean, it led to the Boston Massacre, the Boston Tea Party. So you don't have to go that far in history. You have to just go back to the founding of our nation to find a time when people were writing extremely inflammatory the person stuff that read age. that had to open a paper buy a paper that's open a paper and difference. read it in the print that's the this difference. is a different you when you're that's talking the about the way that something right. can get into our heads involuntarily yeah. from uh, a radio and see, or I, a tv but i would go further i would even argue that they had time it had we as a species we as human beings had time to evolve into this idea of the printed uh, word, right? right? So we people knew that it existed, and then there was a long time where no one could afford to have a paper book, right, or a parchment or whatever, and then it kind of spread out over time, and then the printing press came along, and then right. the average ordinary person could there use it, go. and several hundred years passed. But the point is, is that there is precedent for this time when people would basically write crazy stuff. Right. I mean, think about this. Go back to the days when you had a king. Go back to the founding of the nation, and you've got someone who comes in and says, screw the king, screw everything you've ever known, go to war. That's big stuff. But it's also limited because, as our producer just pointed out, only a certain segment of the population even knew how to read. Yeah. Well, and that's it, a good point. And that that's was – go point. ahead, Terry. You had something? Um, also, we have, we have distancing factors which have vanished. For example, something had to be published in a newspaper. In Boston. And then that would take or some hours at least to reach local people. Right, that's And right. days beyond that. Good point. If we had the telegraph. Oh, that, that still took time uh, to transmit and then uh, to, to transmit again. Right. And now I don't know that a lot of people are really getting their first news from broadcast sources. We're yeah, getting them from the internet, yeah. which has shortened our attention spans. Terry, and don't go anywhere. Uh, hold, but, but we're going to go to line two. I think the, we've got the, Brian. The, the question we're going to ask you yeah. when we come back is, what do you think should be done, if anything should be done? What do you think should be done? Brian? I want to hear what Brian has to say about the fairness Welcome to doctrine. a nation divided. Yeah. yeah. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. So my position on the fairness doctrine is that it's unfair, and it's also very un-American. Interesting. Okay. And it's a way to control the narrative by having a bipolar dictatorship, which is basically uh, you know, the system that they have that they, that. that they prefer. But, you know, Brian, so i got to hit you back with this most basic concept. So go back to the days of the radio stations, and let's just deal with just radio for a second, not TV or Internet. And you have a limited amount of bandwidth. You've got a limited number of airwaves. And you happen to be the guy that creates the first radio station, and then you make a few bucks because you got the first commercials out. So now you got enough bucks to keep making your radio antenna bigger and bigger and bigger. And no one can ever overpower you. And so you get to do and say whatever you want, and you wipe everybody out. In fact, actually, part of the fairness doctrine that we didn't hit was that there was an issue of actually keeping the government from jamming radio waves. And so the FCC was doing a thing where it was not only regulating what one individual could do to another or one station could do to another, but what the government could do to other stations. So, Brian, I I get you on the idea that it's un-American, but when you're talking about a limited resource that is the public trust and it is the job of government to regulate interstate commerce, and it's exactly what we're talking about, it does constitute interstate commerce, why is it so un-American for us to regulate it? Not not totally, completely tell everybody what they can do or say, but just regulate it. No, the situation that we have is we have a, we have a group in D.C. that dictates to the states. The states do not determine the policies. The policies are determined by the U.N. through the D.C. They, they dictate to the states what we can think and say. Well, now, hang on. dictated the, to the television station, I hear and that's the problem. No, I hear what you're saying what, about the uh, – but take the U.N. out of it for a second. Let's just talk about the United States government. That is, in fact, the role of federal government, correct? I mean, it's interstate commerce. There's a lot of things the states get to do, but there's one thing that we all agreed to when we got into this federated system is that the federal government, Congress, would regulate interstate commerce because if it doesn't, each state's going to clob- – California will clobber everybody else because it's the biggest state with the most money. Would that be fair? And what a federal government is, a federal government is, is created by the states. It's not its own entity. Sure. It's an entity of the states. But would you not – got to stay with him on this because I, I like what he's saying. But would you not at least agree that in order for that federal government to work at all in any type of regulation, that it has to be somewhat impartial? It's got to step itself away from anyone Ab- or – Absolutely of, not. It's oh, created by the states. It's supposed to represent hmm. the states. It's not a dictatorship, and that is what we have in D.C. We have a dictatorship that dictates to the states, dictates to the – uh, the, through the intelligence services, telling you what you're allowed to say on television, telling you what you're allowed to say on the internet, telling what you what you're allowed to say on the radio. See, I think and that's it's weird. not American. It's anti-American. I think well, that's, that's, weird. that's, that's the not American. That's, that's the enemy. eternal argument, I, 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 though. I, I, mean, I think that's where Brian. Would you agree that as like in terms of federalism? I think we would probably disagree with the way Brian views federalism. Well, it's just he's got it's he represents a viewpoint that is yeah, is totally. really part of constitutional interpretation it and is. it goes down to if you shave it down it's the old brandenburg v ohio yes you have the freedom right. of speech but you shouldn't yell fire uh, in a crowded theater but the idea is there is brian you have to admit this there has been a progression of uh of consciousness if you will that has seen the news media get to a point to where it is literally purveying the agenda of political parties in a very biased way. So, uh, Brian... Don't, don't go anywhere, Brian. Stay I don't want us. you to go anywhere. Yeah, Jerry, don't go anywhere, Mike. Break. We're going to get yeah. to everybody. we we're got a hot get, topic, but we are, have to like take Brian. a very short break like right now, and we'll be right back, folks. Very short break.
Welcome back, folks. I Your fascist only- friends, Brian Dunn <laughs> and James Oates. You know, the only problem I've got with rolling in with Steely Dan like we do is it just makes me feel like we're restarting the show. Uh, well, Does it start? It sounds like the start of something to me now after three years. We are all starting something That's at all true. times. Good point. Good point. Good point. Uh, Terry, I want you to stick around. I'm coming right back to yeah, you. But Brian, you. Uh, uh, I left this question hanging. Uh, do you think we've gone yeah. too far with it? I mean, do you think that just the idea that news has become so political, that it has become so uh, inextricably intertwined with political agendas, political parties? Yeah, forget, forget the FCC, forget the federal government I mean, for a minute. Yeah. Just do we honest, have to have liberals and conservatives? Go ahead, Brian. Talk yeah. to us. Can I explain something to you? I was just sure. watching MSNBC the other day. They had the lawyer that prosecuted Trump on as a guest, and they've had Peter Strzok on. They've had all these guys from the CIA, right. from the FBI. Exactly. That's who they ask for what, what they, they ask those people, what's the narrative? What are we supposed to talk about? Right. Our, our narratives are given to us by the federal government in the, in the bureaucracies of the intelligence services. Well, that, so that's what this one yeah, it's it's definitely, a, Go ahead, Brian. Know, in, com, in, in communism, you have a liberal communist and a, and a conservative communist. They're both communists. So we don't need two communists to tell us what to think. We need a free... See, the, America was founded by the Enlightenment age. And if you're not part of that, then you're not really an American. Right. If you don't understand what free speech is, you're not really an American. You're just someone that was born on this continent. Well, Brian, you're not one of us. you represent the Reading viewpoints it. of many, pe- many people. Thank you so saying. much for yeah. calling, Brian. We really are happy that you shared us with the viewpoint. Terry, I want to get right back to you for one second. Uh, what do you think about what's Brian saying there? Um... I beg your pardon. There was a little gong that goes yeah. off when you when you switch in, and it obscured what. Okay, well, essentially, what, what he's saying, what Brian is saying, is that look, this in America, freedom of speech is paramount, and we must never Completely get into a situation where the government is telling someone yeah. what to say and what to do, and you know, on the one hand, you have that, but on the other hand, it, when taken to an, to its extreme, you have a situation where. You have an incredibly biased. Well, and he, uh, what Brian was arguing was that it's actually the government that's creating this bias, and that's what his argument was, whether you agree with it or not. But what it, do you think about it, that, Terry? I don't think I can separate government here from business. Yes. Hmm. Um, once news could be rated yes. and sold to advertisers, once it could be, uh, uh, what do you call yes. it, uh, monetized? Right. Monetized. Yes. Yeah. And with the internet, you have you have companies which can sell your data right. to the people they're making money from, and um, can sell ads, and can use algorithms to control what yes. what you see yes. based on your previous likes and dislikes, right. rather than based on what is or is not. Right. Um, it's a very different world than they had when they made the Federalist Doctrine. Very, right. very different world. And well, right. The, then, I, then I think we have a problem. We have things like the the president, Mr. Biden, Biden um, misquoting what uh, what President Trump said about good people on both sides. It was not good people on both sides of the white supremacy issue. Well, the idea, I think, that might be deeper, Terry, and I, I want to thank you so much for sharing everything with us this afternoon, is that just the simple concept of telling the truth, the, yeah. just the simple idea, just idea of 
that I'm going to really make an we're honest gonna, effort we're gonna to tell the truth We're going to make an effort to tell the truth, truth, the whole truth. I'm going to try to find the truth. I, exactly. I, it's like sometimes I think what it is is that it's, it's not even that they think that they're lying. It's that it's like – uh, let me see what happened there. Oh yeah, great! I know exactly what happened. I don't need to see anything Bring else. It. And then they they're gonna give it. I mean, it's like, come on, All right, man, Terry? Really? Thank you so much for calling. We can't thank you enough. You're such a wonderful uh, person. Love Terry's voice, and we just love hearing Loving your voice. voice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We really appreciate you, girl. Really, thanks so much, uh, Mike from Arcadia. Mike, go ahead. Welcome to a nation divided. We are dying to know what you think. Indeed. Yes, sir. Um, you know, radio and you mentioned cable TV, too. Those are just microcosms of all the media that we get bombarded with, including through film and uh, also even the classroom, academia, college and uh, grade school. So, you know, I don't necessarily want to just if it were me and it's your show, but I wouldn't. It's your show, too, Mike. On, uh, it's your show, man. Radio and cable. Uh, you know, new, or, or just news. You're, you're just focusing on news. We're bombarded through commercials, et cetera. But ultimately, it's up to the adult individual right. uh, who has personal responsibility right. to discern the truth from what's not true when they hear something. They're ultimately responsible as an, a person, as an adult, for what they do and even what they say with what they've heard do you believe that some people can be unable to discern though mike i mean the first amendment has its limits you can't you can't say something that will result in an act of of violence or something that'll put someone in clear and present danger of being hurt and the reason why that law is there because it contemplates that certain people will hear something and they won't be able to say this is not something to do or, or have that governor and they might just go out and hurt somebody based on what they've heard. And the idea that human beings have very different levels of discretion and very different levels of being able to uh, sift through what's happening. You know, I got to jump in because I got to highlight what you're talking about before you before you ask him, because I, what you're saying I, I bet there's a lot of people out there that are listening to what you're saying, and, and they're saying fascist, fascist, fascist. They're saying take control of everything. No, think about this. Stop for a second and think about it. The government, regulators, they're faced with this idea of how do we protect, quote, unquote, people who aren't able to discern, quote, unquote, which starts sounding a lot like censorship. It starts sounding a lot like the bad stuff that we don't All like. Right. So they're sitting around thinking, how do we fix this? Because we're Americans and we want to be free and we believe in the freedom of speech. So what do they do? They say, OK, here's what we'll do then. We're not going to tell people what they can't say. But what we will do is we'll say, if you say one side of something, you've at least got to give equal time to the other side and let people decide for themselves. I can't think of what's more American than that. It actually seems quite American. It doesn't seem uh, contrary at all to America, the American creed, but I, I just had to jump in on that. I'm sure there's a lot of people that heard that. You know, uh, Mike, what do you think? What do you think, Mike? Right, so, I mean, who who decides what the other side is and how yeah. much the other side they, is? That's the, that's that's really the central the, point. But see, that's the whole point. But Mike, but really, Mike uh, no, no, hang on, Mike. Okay. The, no, Mike, I got to tell you, who decide, you said who decides. We all decide. So if you make a rule... And you got the FCC that's there. And, yeah, sometimes there'll be some jerk somewhere that's a bureaucrat that'll make a bad decision. And guess what? If he does too many of those, someone's going to go to court or they're going to fire him or they're going to they're going to get all over him. And you're going to find out about it. It will it will come up. It will come up for air. It will see the light of day. But you can't just say because well, at least to me, you can't say. 
because we have this potential of having some manipulation, let's just take all the rules away. Right. I think you might have been cut off, though, Mike. Uh, what, what were you saying right after that? I mean, who's going to make the decision? You had an afterthought there. Right. I mean, ultimately, you can't even the government can't save us from ourselves uh, per individual. Right. We're responsible for ourselves as adults and for our children. Uh, you know, the government coming in and it's going to protect us from everything and uh, you know, decide what's true and what's not true. What's 50 percent uh, of one side and 50 percent the other side. Uh, it, it's just you, you're in for a real quagmire. I don't think the government is capable of doing it. Probably least right. of all the government. So well, you, know, get, you have to let people decide for themselves. And I, after I yell fire in a crowded theater and get a bunch of people killed, well, then, then you we do as something, a society yeah. already have yeah. laws about that. So go I, ahead and I agree with Mike on the fact. I agree with Mike on that. But here's the thing: yelling fire in the crowded theater. You Mike, here's the it. thing that I I agree with what you're saying on that in principle. But then I got to come back to this idea about reasonable regulation. The the thing that I have a problem with for, for saying, and I don't think that's what you're saying. So I'm not jumping on top of you, but I think there are people out there listening who would say, well, yeah, that's why you got to throw this fairness doctrine thing away because the government can't protect us from ourselves. So, I mean, that's just stupid to think we could ever make rules. Well, why do you have a movie rated R? Exactly. Because a child could get in there and watch the movie and have some things that the child might not be exposed to. Is that the government being a Nazi? Is that the government being fascist? Why do we have an organization, whether you even believe it or not, why do we even have, try to have an organization called the FDA that says that this particular drug has been tested look man let me tell you if there wasn't an fda there'd be way more dead people on the street from random crap drugs and goofy stuff that has no uh, scientific i guess you call it like use at all <laughs> right. right so i mean you've got to have something well, it, it's not perfect but but it, it, it won't be and you know these are all really intense discussions and they're good discussions but we also have to talk about one other very important component is if we had a situation where the government did require certain things, and it really hit someone's bottom line financially. Oh. I mean, you, if you think about the billions and billions of dollars that are generated by uh, in the MSNBCs and the Foxes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, they have a very predictable format. They have very predictable viewers. Viewers tune in to get that particular thing. You guys talk about all this college egghead stuff you want, but yeah. don't touch my ad dollars. And what don't it turns into for all of the shareholders oh, are shareholders. billions with a B. Don't you get into my my <laughs> uh, payout at the my dividend at the end of the month? And that's year, one of the yeah. biggest biggest things, folks. If you'd like to join the discussion, you can reach us at one eight hundred two 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 five two 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 one eight hundred two 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 KBC. Is the weaponization of media good or should the government step in and have some more regulation like Gotta they wonder. did in Gotta the past? Wonder. You like to say the good old days. You like to say the, the good, good old days. days. Everybody likes to say the good old days. Make America great again. But in the good old days, you didn't have the type of inflammatory news that right. you have now. That's right. We're going to take this break and we're going to be right back, folks. 30 more minutes. We want to hear minutes. what you That's have what you to say. 1-800-222-5222. We love you. AM Talk Radio 790. You are listening to A Nation Divided. I am Brian Thomas Dunn Esquire with my best friend in the entire universe, Mr. James Oates. Hello, Mr. Brian Dunn. So, you know, when we get back to the issues of what underlie these divisions, and we start talking about media in the way that we've been talking about it, 
it seems as though everything has a prefix. Is this a oh, liberal yeah. thing? Yeah. Is this a conservative thing? We've had pe- I, I can remember. It's, it's happened more than once. We've had people call in, and because they caught us on a given day with a particular topic, they think that both you and I are liberal, which anyone who knows me is going to think that. that, that right. they're, they're laughing right now. Jim ain't liberal, folks. <laughs> right. He but, ain't liberal. But they'll call up and they'll say this. I know what you guys are. Right. So basically, at that point, what he's saying is, is that anything else that you say at this point, it right. doesn't matter. I'm not going to hear you. Nothing else you say could have value because I know you are that liberal. That is such a good point. Or you are conservative or you are whatever. It's that like, is on, man, such really? a good point. And the yeah. idea is what that person is doing is they are putting you in a box. Yeah. Put us and box. they believe that based on certain preconceived notions. I know everything about you I need to know. They know how much money you make. Right. They know what kind of parties you go to. Uh, they know what kind of car you drive. They Do you know everything. The time that when the, the lady, lady was talking about how many parties, I was like, "We don't get invited to parties." Period. Oh, <laughs> she was no. talking about. All this. I'm go talking ahead. about the time that the lady called up and it was. She was speaking to you. She, she said, "I live in a gated community." Yeah, I know you live in one of those gated communities. You're a white guy. You're a white rich man <laughs> that lives in a gated community in Beverly Hills. I'm like, and I was oh, thinking, wow. you don't bang. She, it's no hard idea. for someone to be wrong on every <laughs> single point. Every I mean, she didn't she even said. accidentally get one right. No. When it was based on. What she heard from some of the things I said, but it, it's funny, but it's true. I mean, the idea is money, big house, Beverly Hills, white. Nope, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. yep, Chuck. Nope, nope. There's nope, not nope, a check, nope, and nope. I'm sorry, and check. No, nope, no, nope, sorry, can't give you one. But the funny, we were laughing about that, but it, it yeah. really was, you know, that's indicative of the way folks think. It is. They think that they know you, and, and they also think that they have a reason to dislike you. And I'm not entirely sure. Or a reason sure. to even more than dislike you. I'm not entirely sure that, that we as Americans, we as a group of people, always were exactly that way. Yeah, I mean, everyone's on. You're going to have your prejudices. You're going to have your preconceived notions. Certainly, you're going to have your tribe that you kind of sub- subscribe to, maybe. But I doesn't it feel... We've been saying this since day one in the show. Doesn't it feel like it's different now? It does feel like it's different. And, you know, that's one of the things that just has kind of happened. And we've gotten into yeah. a situation where these these divisions have been reinforced. Yep. Uh, we, you know, all of the political uh, administrations from Obama have been for, you know, whether you like it or not, the effect has been they've they've put us in camps. Yep. And it doesn't really, uh, no one's right or no one's wrong. But the idea, I think, is... Anytime you have a knee-jerk response to anything without thinking it through, uh-huh. that's the source of the problem. Yes, and anytime you think that the single simple solution is going to solve the problem, it never will. It never will. Uh, it, problems with easy solutions well, don't remain problems. That's exactly. It's a soundbite, yeah. But why can't a person be liberal and conservative? Why can't they have opinions that right. don't track a label? Why can't, why they, can't be, they just be them, American or whatever you want to call them? Why do they have to have a label? Why can't they be liberal or conservative and make good decisions? I love to, you know, you've done this so much. To, it's amazing because I, you do tend to be more liberal. I, I never think of you as liberal or conservative, and I, I, you don't really think of me that way either. But no, I don't, but I don't look at but, the world that way. Yeah, you, know, you don't look at the world that way, and I really don't either. But but you, so many times you've talked about people like uh, Supreme Court justices and judges, right. and you'll say something that. Anyone else in the room we're sitting in, if they heard you say it in any party we go to, they would tear you apart. Right. That the girl on MSNBC tried to crush you. She I got, would yeah. crush you for saying something like, you know, I actually think that judge that I'm reading their their bio, they're going to make a good judge. They'll make good decisions. Right. 
and, and they're conservative or they're liberal, but they'll make good decisions. But it flies in the face of what I'm supposed to say. Oh, you're not supposed to say that, And because man. I'm not supposed to say that, there's you're only— You're not on the team. There's a big yeah. uh, error message that's coming up, and they have to either do one of two things. Destroy me destroy completely. You. Destroy, destroy. Or— somehow put me in a situation that makes my other point, oh, yeah, well, he was in prison for 50 years and in he just got out and that makes his, that's that's why he's saying what he's saying. In fact, actually, if you think about it in a way. I wasn't really in prison, folks. Maybe the reason, yeah, right, no, of course, yeah. But uh, could have been many times, but haven't. But, you know, if you think about it, maybe the way that people react when you find yourself in that scenario where you make the statement that inflames them so badly Maybe the reason they react so strongly is because what you're doing by trying to basically be in the middle is more threatening to them than right. being the other side. I sometimes I wonder if people are oh, I see are, what you're you saying. see they're in a camp, they're in their tribe, and if you try to say, "Hey, you know what? There really are no tribes." That's actually the most. It's more threatening than saying, right. "I'm in the opposite tribe from you." They actually feel more comfortable with the idea that there's an us. Uh, them and we and us and them, right. they're more comfortable with that, the view, that vision of the world. So we have uh, kind of got a reminiscence. We're, we're kind of nostalgic now because it's our yeah. birthday. And, yes, and we're thinking about these things that have happened radio in the last show this birthday, year. Ladies and gentlemen, radio show birthday. We're saying uh, we, we, we have had episodes about race. And race, we have said and concluded, is a... It's a hoax. It's a complete hoax. It has no correlation between anything that any um, scientist. There's no science to support it. There's no logic to support it. Serves no function. Except for slavery. Except for black and white people were invented to facilitate slavery. To facilitate slavery slavery in the United States of America, exactly. And for some reason, we have continued to embellish that uh, dehumanizing moniker on through the ages. Still got it on. You have the so little much app so. you fill out. Fill out right. an app for a temporary restraining order or restraining order. What's it, what does it say for the description fill of the person? Fill out anything. What race are they? And mm. it's got to be so that w- there's white non-Hispanic because yes. because Hispanic may Start appear to be white, so the white wants to be separated. Is it white? Is it black? These are, the, really these are hoaxes. Yeah, right. these are, we have had major uh, issues with this. This is not logical. It does not make sense that we still have white and black people. Exactly. But the people that get the most angry... Are the people that just have their identity wrapped up in race? Right, they just want it to stay there. They're, they're not. They might not be racist per se, right? They might not hate the other race, right? But they don't want the concept to go away because it completely destroys. It's like you're messing the with the program. You're messing with yes. the internal. You're messing I, with the whole way we define these things. Yeah, and it similarly it flows to liberal. And conservative. And And if you really study, I went to a discipline. The legal discipline requires you to read opinions from judges. And the justices that are appointed to the Supreme Court control the destiny of the country in many ways. They do. And they quickly get these tags. Are they liberal Mm -hmm. or are they conservative? Yes. And the reality is, if you really read all of the things in their body of work, some of the the most motivated ones intellectually... They don't really fall into that category because you're not sure how they're going to do that. They have a way of thinking that seems to transcend those boxes. They, there, there are historians that will say that there was a, a wholesale shift in Supreme Court justices and appointment of federal judges. I think it was in the 70s. Right. I've read this, and I can't remember all of the, the notes on it, but I reject that as well. I reject this idea that in the 70s, all of a sudden, 
all judges, Supreme Court justices and federal judges, they all became political appointees, and that was it. Right. They're just carrying the agenda of one side or the other. I just refuse to buy into that. Is there some of that? Sure, there, sure there are is. some that yeah. lean more towards. There are some that seem to be more stridently, predictably uh, conservative, one way than the other. Or, but they're not the majority. And even then, what's wrong on the surface, a priori, uh, you know, prima facie? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with someone being a little more conservatively minded in some scenarios and a little more liberally minded? In some, okay, Nothing. so maybe they are. But then, then they come back and they surprise you. And they right. come back with something or what they write. You think you know what they wrote. And then you read another three or four lines down. You're like, wait, this is way more nuanced than right. I thought and it was. Enter Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> Everybody was crucifying that man. Crucified him, yeah. Right. They were thinking he was going to be the biggest monster and he was going to be the yeah. biggest, you know, conservative. Right. He has been totally unpredictably totally middle of the road yeah, in a lot of the things that he's done. Uh, but the idea is because of the political nature of our government, uh, he really went through a a torturous uh, inauguration. I want to say inauguration, a, a appointment process. Appointment process, yeah. Because yeah. everybody had this idea of what he was going to be like when he got in there, and he is systematically dismantling all of those notions. Now, again, which way is he going to turn out? We don't know, uh, but he's certainly not a monster. That everybody thought he was going to be. But then we come back to this issue of media and what people are consuming. And you have you got to admit that if you rewind this thing to like maybe 1960s or 1950s, even into the 1970s, a Brett Kavanaugh goes up. Right. It, the, the thing that happened does not happen. Now, some people will argue that's because we didn't have as much information. And now we've got a free flow of information and we can find out anything on anybody. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure I believe that. I think you could give way more data and you'd still get people that would maybe just kind of decide on their own instead of saying, my side says he's good right. or my side says he's bad. Right. We've got to go out on the streets and we got to condemn this. We've got to protest this guy, Kavanaugh. Why? I don't know, because he's, <laughs> he's the opposite of us, and that's why, right? And also the issues have gotten more complicated. If, if you look at the old issues that were facing uh, the Supreme Court, they had a lot to do with race oh, yeah. and desegregation. Yes. And they had to do with the concepts of, of the Equal Protection Clause. And then it kind of segued into uh, women's rights. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of segued into abortion, which got yes. really got nasty. nasty. Got because nasty. once it got into abortion, it became a situation where there was a flashpoint. And, and the idea of women's rights kind of was tied into it. But then it became this whole religious thing uh, where it, it, it galvanized it, right. a whole portion of the When Roe v. Wade was written, it wasn't that at all. And if right. you go back and you, you read the majority opinion and you read all of that from beginning to end, you're, you're left going, wow, these guys were just faced with this incredibly technically, scientifically difficult thing right. to answer. And they did the best they could. I mean, law is not perfect, right? Right. They did the best it could. And then we have what is happening now, which seems to me, to me, yes, the dollar has become God. Yeah, money and finance has taken precedence over liberal, conservative, right, wrong, everything. Well, consider this: the Maybe. Supreme Court literally made a case that said a corporation, yes, is a human being. Right. Yeah, and that but is the problem. The the problem that is now facing us. We can talk about the media in terms of bias or not bias. No one's going to mess with the billion and billion dollar bottom line. Right. 
that these corporations are having that run the Fox News and the CNNs. Yeah, they're not going to push that money. And that's no. really what we have to look at. Yeah. It's anyway, money. folks, we're going to take a very short level. break, and we're going to be right back. We will be back. We've got another 15 minutes, sir. And I don't even well, want to say there. money is bad, but no. it seems to be. And it's always been there, but. We're, <laughs> we're going to be right back, folks. be nice to have more of it. How it is. Rolling into the last We're rolling segment. in. Last caller is going to be Jeff from Northridge. Jeff. Jeff, thank you so much for calling A Nation Divided. Thank you for gracing hey us guys. with your presence. Tell us what we need hey. to know, brother. Hey, guys. Great show. Thank you. I do believe the fairness doctrine needs to be overturned. My question to you guys is, why is all radio so right-wing conservative? Why can't liberal radio ever get a foothold? Is there a liberal radio station anybody knows? Well, I think people say that NPR. NPR, I think yeah, people NPR. say NPR is liberal, and I listen to NPR a lot in the in the, in the car. Yeah, sure. I mean, you get you probably do get more liberal bent, but I don't think that I would call it fundamentally liberal. I'm not even sure that there is. I think that's one thing that I think you can say. There's probably more definition around what's conservative media than there is around what's liberal media. Hey, well, Jeff, really I'm going to take a crack at it. I, yeah. I think that the people that are tuning in to the conservative radio stations are the same people that are going home and looking at Fox News at night. And yep. they're looking for a certain type of food for their consciousness. It's a certain type of meal that they're trying to eat. And a lot of it seems to be the same themes resonating over and over again with different people. In fact, probably if you think about it, in order for a station to be li liberal, it, it's, it very, and it, by the very definition of what liberal is, you could not have a radio station or a TV station that's all one thing. Right. Because that's to be liberal is to say we're going to accept everything. To be to be conservative is to say we're going to narrow it down to a very uh, a, a laser beam type focus. Could be, Jeff. You got any opinions on the subject? Yeah, I think I agree with you guys. I'd love to see a liberal station in L.A., and I think NPR doesn't do the hard name-calling that we see on right wing. They well, yeah, I think that uh, there is a certain type of energy, uh, a, a type of energy that the right wing has uh, bottled up. They're, they've bottled it and they've sold it, and it sells very well, and it, it is a slashing... Uh, completely uncompromising, finger-pointing way of looking at uh, others that is very successfully accepted. These stations make tons of money. Well, and that's with it comes. Back it's basically to ad the dollars. same program. Yeah, yeah go it ahead. comes back to ad dollars. And I can tell you this: having a, a being an amateur in marketing, a complete amateur, but having dabbled in it enough to, I can think I can say this fairly that. You're looking for data, you're looking for information, and you're looking for guarantees, right? You want to find a, you want to be able to quantify right. or metric right. whatever you're looking for. And I can tell you, yeah, conservative radio, conservative television stations, I think it's going to be a lot easier for that particular product to metric the people that are listening. Right. It's going to be way easier for them to quantify the people that are listening. And then you have to kind of say, where's the money go, right? Because right. you got to follow the money trail. And if there's more money to be had from the advertisers who right. want that 
demographic. There you go. Yeah, then you're gonna you're gonna take off like a rocket. And if you have something that doesn't pr- provide a predictable source of of revenue, like yes. something that is just unpredictable, we don't know what's going to be on that from day to day. Right. We don't know what's going to happen. That's going to be something that a you certain select in. people, yeah. group of people, are going to tune into. Yeah. But it's not going to be the type of thing that's going to be able you can't to hang really your hat make on that. It. Yes. And then when you in marketing, that's the key. You want to hang your hat on something. And I think that uh, the reason why I'm saying this, Jeff, is because we have seen such a predictable formula in the television media that this has become such a big business. We think that the concept of the fairness doctrine is always going to give way to the dollar. And it's always going to give way to the shareholders. And when you have a publicly traded corporation, do you really want to create a situation where you for the sake of, quote, fairness, your bottom line is going to be threatened. Well, you know, there is, like, there's this uh, H.R. 4401, the Restore the Fairness Doctrine Act of 2019, and, and there are people in Congress talking about these things, but the problem is, is that with this type of doctrine, uh, this this sort of legislation, you can't get bipartisan support right. because there's already been a wedge driven, and that's the very problem. So we've got right. this wedge there. We can't even take away the wedge to get to a place where we could start to try to build bipartisan support to maybe put back in place some form of regulation that could help with this problem that everybody pretty much universally agrees on. We've had a few call today that didn't, but I think most people do. Yeah, you know, I think so too. So, so folks, listen, we um, are going to be wrapping this up. We are maybe going to be taking a little break for maybe a while a in terms of the show. Maybe take a break. little summer break. That summer weather looks good out there, man. A little hiatus. I like it. We're a little uh, nostalgic right now because we've been through so many evolutions uh, in, of the radio show in terms of the last three years. Let's we see, let's think about this. We want to thank Donald Trump yes. personally. Donald Trump. I would like sure. to thank you, yeah. Donald Trump, thank for you. creating an entire year of programming, give a shout out basically, to, or more. Got to give a shout-out to COVID because I think we COVID actually— uh, How many weeks did we have a running bet between us on how many cases there'd be in uh, the county of Los Angeles? Uh, and then know. one day we woke up. There's a great example. Okay, now here's a great example of— being biased against, let's say, like a conservative TV show. I, I can't remember the exact show that we quoted the first time we mentioned COVID on the air, but I think it was in January of last oh, year. It was a long time and, ago. and I remember us saying something to the Way effect that this is total fake news. This is complete <laughs> fake news. They're totally right. making this up. Right, right, it's just right. a kind of like right wing agenda, blah, blah, blah. And uh, a few weeks later, we're like, Man, we were wrong. We were completely we were dead wrong. Dead wrong, literally dead and wrong. And it kept yeah. coming. It kept and it coming. Kept coming. So there you go. I mean, we're all influenced by it. We all have our own preconceived notions and prejudices, and you got to try to set them aside, man. Well, for better or for worse, the presidency of Donald Trump <laughs> was. If I ever right. meet the president, I'm going to have to just say, I just want to thank you, man. I think we did Come five here. shows on the. Wall. I had a talk show, radio show for. You are the man. Can I buy you a beer? We I just want to buy you a beer. Do you I, don't, remember, I may not. You, just come on. You've been do, great. Do you remember we had <laughs> the like most six, divisive creature ever? Do you remember we had like six months where we could just say Trump? Immig- well, we could say Trump. We could just say immigration. Yes. And ju- we could just say the word, and the the, the boards would light up. And before man. that, you remember what it was? And, what was it? Guns. Guns. Oh, yeah, it was guns, like guns, right, guns, guns control, yeah. and we, there would be somebody would shoot up the the bar somewhere, and we have, a, and you know, people would be so 
bent out of shape about. But then when but Trump came, it just nothing yeah, else mattered it, it knocked, at all. It, it, it took, it Forget took about it. It, it was Trump. Man. But see, <laughs> anyway. go back to our discussion of media. Now that comes right back around to this whole polarization and media thing, and the labeling of Democrat, Republican, oh, yes. conservative, liberal, yes. all these labels and all this division right. and the polarization in media. So why is it that way? You would think that a person that uh, they're working a job out there, a normal nine to five job, and they've got a kid in school and they got to just make sure they get their taxes paid at the end of the year. You would think they would have a lot of different things to worry about than guns, immigration, you know, voting. Do you want to know my opinion at the end of the day, Jim? What? People are lazy. Yeah, at the I end of the day. That's true, man. It's unpopular. It's unpopular to say that. Step I believe toes that right people now. are intellectually lazy. Just they don't, don't, I don't want, want to, think to go about into the tell void. Me, tell me what to do. Tell you, me what to think. Yes. That's right. Because yeah. if you're going to challenge a viewpoint, mm-hmm. you have to go through a period of feeling very insecure it's because you don't have bad. anything. To, it's you're, it you're, there's a squirrely period yeah. where you're right. kind of questioning yourself and you're questioning something that may have been endemic to your ident- identity and your. You have to experience a void you pick, of some sort, and people don't like change. You pick up that, they are very resistant right? to change. You pick up that book that says something that's completely different than anything you've ever heard, and you go, I can't read that, and you right. throw it down, right? You turn on that TV station, and they're starting. They just happen to say something right. that's completely opposite from everything you've ever heard in your entire life. It's so dissonant that you can't even hear what they're saying. you got to turn it off. And brother, uh, if this may be even the last time our voices are heard for a minute, the thing I have figured out, it is not uh, liberal or conservative or black or white. It is the mechanical knee-jerk reaction to something. That that is the the enemy. Right. It is the mind made up already. It's not who you are. It is the knee-jerk, yes. how you've been defined. It's not how you Oh, he's one of those. It's not where you live in the city. It's not what you do for a living. It's that it's the way in which we approach the problems, right? And if you are unable to see a, a situation for what it is, you will never be able to evolve into a situation where you can see another viewpoint or where you can have a world. It's the essence of survival. Right. It's the essence of survival. If you've got blinders on, you are going to get nailed. There's right. just no way to get around it. it. You talk about, like, we talk about flying a lot. You know, I love to say the, give the analogy of flying when you're in the yes. airplane and you've got some kind of emergency. If you are completely convinced that you already know exactly what it is, right. and you're you're completely convinced you're going to kill yourself, I can guarantee it. Guarantee it. You have to. very expensive mistakes. Very. I mean, <laughs> there's no way you're going to spin it in. You have to have that mind that yes, you're going to have some procedures, you're going to have some training, but you've got to open up your mind and, to and what's you going know, the on. Crazy where you're thing at. is, we have almost been led to believe that we're we don't have anything in common. We have everything in common. We got everything in common. We have so much in we common. We have so much more in common than and, we have. Today. And that just becomes clear too, because we when we say we love you all, we love you all. We just we like you too, though. Yeah. Americans yeah. are really cool amazingly people. cool people. Yes. When you get us, you know, in a situation where we can be ourselves. How many times have you gone to a party with a, a, a radical conservative Forget or a radical it. Republican? You have a couple of drinks next to you, know, man. You're just like talking about Boston. Or talk, yeah, I mean, you're talking about some great rock group and you're just having fun. So, so folks, anyways, we should be on through. Uh, I want to tell you, we probably are going to be dark for a few months. Uh, but we want you to just to know this. A, not because you're a fascist. No, not because, not because you're a fascist. And, fascist uh, and not because we're sounding boards. It's just a lot of time, folks. <laughs> and um, we always, when we say we love you all, we love you all. 
And uh, we really do appreciate the input that everybody's Love given it. us over Man, the years. Learned so much from people. It's been in. so yeah. incredibly wonderful to yeah. hear from you guys. Yes. And as we move out, we got to say this one thing one last time. Gotta say Even it one last though time. we may disagree with you at a nation divided. You. We do we love, love you, all, you all for sure. And we like you too. Yeah. Be safe out there, folks. We're not going. Have a great summer. Yeah. This show is furnished by The Cochrane Firm.